Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly Pokies-Burke, and this is the Career Slay Podcast. Imagine the impact we could have on society if everyone loved what they did. That's what Career Slay is all about. I'm interviewing people who love their jobs and asking them how they got there and what they've learned along the way. We're here to slay the fear in career. For our first episode, I'm talking to Kinza Osmat. She is a multi-hyphenate, an entrepreneur, ex-consultant, a former engineer, and my best friend. But it's really complex. So Kinza, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? What have I not done is probably the easier <laughs> question. <laughs> so true. I think you captured the majority of my background. Went to Ohio State, got a degree in engineering, worked in aviation as an engineer, and then went and got my MBA at UT Austin, pivoted into consulting, and now entrepreneurship. That's why I like to call you a multi-hyphenate. That's fine. That's appropriate. Well, Kinza, welcome. I'm so happy to have you as my first guest. Should we tell them how we met? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you tell the story best. Do I? Yes, because I'm really awkward. It's <laughs> better told by you. So Kinza and I met at this happy hour prior to our MBA program, and we were the two women at this one happy hour. And so naturally, I just gravitated to Kinza and asked her what she did. Yeah. And you were the only like not super technical person there. So I thought I would diversify my like the folks that I talked to instead of talking to a bunch of engineers. Let me go talk to that that one marketing chick. Yeah. <laughs> So Kinza mentioned that she worked for Southwest and I happened to be taking Southwest to fly out to my wedding in Chicago and I was bringing my wedding dress onto the flight and I was really nervous about that. So I was pretty familiar with what to do with the wedding dresses on planes and it's not to put it in your, you know, checked bag, yeah. um, but to talk to the flight attendant when you get in and get an entire overhead bin. So I was ready to give this information to Kelly. And so the day that I was flying out, I get onto the plane, stuff my really huge wedding dress in the overhead compartment. And then the flight attendant calls my name on the intercom and she gave me this bottle of champagne. And I thought it was just like the best thing. And little did I know that Kinza had prearranged it. I actually delivered that bottle to the plane. Oh my God. Back I didn't even see you. Because yeah. it was on my calendar that you were you were going on the flight to Chicago. So that it was blew like, my mind. It was a pre-orchestrated event. Oh my God. That blew my yeah. mind. I still tell that story when I talk about good branding <laughs> and building a brand. So this is the first episode of the Career Slave podcast, but I wanted to start by going back to the genesis of the idea for Career Slave because I know that's something that we both came up with together. I think originally we had the idea of helping undergraduate students work on their resumes and Mm -hmm. um, get them exposure to different career avenues through successful networking, but it's grown to something so much more impactful and I think something that you're personally connected with as you grow this podcast. Yeah, I think, you know, we were both interested in career development and, you know, improving ourselves and through our own experiences of interviewing and finding a new job. We learned so much about the process, not just about the external process, but the inner process of like doing that deep thinking and reflection work that you need to do and the self-awareness and finding your clarity and and all of that to really prepare yourself for the job search and figuring out what you want to do with your life and making sure that it's not just about 
your nine to five, but it's everything that ties into it and surrounds it. We're both extroverts and it's really easy for us, I think for me in particular, to just ask the question of like, well, are you happy in your job? Like, what, why is everyone just punching in and punching out and okay with, you know, putting off vacation and, you know, are not people, never taking vacation? Yeah. I mean, legitimately in consulting, no vacation is taken. People just doing work until they are exhausted and have family issues and just looking the other way. And I found myself just asking what have these people even internally reflected so I don't, I don't think anyone's really having the conversation externally. Like it's still taboo to talk about how careers impact us and yeah. our families. And I think you have a great idea for how to kind of be the torch or the light. Yeah. And I mean, we spend, I think it's a third of our lives working. So it's, it should be something that you enjoy and not something that you hate and drags you down and, or sucks out all the life out of you. So I'm hoping with this podcast that we can create a platform exploring people's careers and their career paths and their journeys and sharing that with people who are either starting out in their career or looking to make a career change and just help them with their own personal journeys. So tell me about you and, you know, kind of what the pivotal moments were in your life. If you see me in person, I'm one of those people where you always are wondering, like, where is that person from? Mm -hmm. So to answer that question in a lot of different ways, uh, Pakistani by origin, you know, was born there. We moved to New York when I was really young. And I think common to a lot of Asian families, we were very much education and achievement oriented and we didn't always have the fanciest upbringing. So it was really important to my parents that we pick very reliable, stable, steady careers. And so I always tended to be someone that just picked the hardest path or that would most likely guarantee me some sort of success. That's how I became a mechanical engineer, despite not truly being interested in anything related to that. Mm -hmm. um, it was right the, around the recession when I graduated. So I was mostly focused on getting a job and I got a job and it was, it was kind of cool, but it wasn't really anything that I truly wanted to do. Let's talk a little bit more about, you know, your experience as a mechanical engineer. I remember you saying how you were, again, one of very few women in that program. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ohio State has a great engineering program, mechanical engineering in particular, but we had a graduating class of, I think, 400 something, and there was fewer than 10 women. And that carried through uh, across my career over and over and over again. And what did you do after you graduated from Ohio State? Um, so it worked for Southwest Airlines. So think like shallow landings of aircraft or like bird strikes, if they impact, you know, this, what they call the skin of the aircraft, how do you repair the damage and get the aircraft back into service? It sounds really cool. But after like the thousandth bird strike, you're like, eh, like these like actual birds. Yeah. I mean, like right across <laughs> the field, there's all these geese over Lake Bachman and they just hit the planes over and over. Oh my gosh. I had never heard of that term before. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. So what was like the catalyst and the reason why you decided to go to business school? I was just bored. Like I am a very high energy person. If I'm not mentally engaged or moving towards some sort of goal in the future, if I don't see some sort of organic growth process as part of a business culture, then um, I kind of just mentally shut down and that's not great for my growth. Yeah. So I did like a 
an operational rotation program that took me to Love Field, the airport itself. And so I had, you know, intoxicated passengers falling on me and um, one too many um, coupons, drink coupons, (laughs) drink coupons that like were expired and you couldn't use, but we had to honor anyway. And I loaded bags into planes, all of the stuff that you think you would never have to do after getting an engineering degree, but it was great experience. Whatever thick skin I had, it made me tough as nails, mm-hmm. essentially, because I had dealt with folks in corporate environment, but then also just working with front lines, unionized, blue collar employees. Those were really skills and relationships hardened through tough times in mm-hmm. operations. Yeah. It's really valuable. Yeah. And you learned how to give people champagne bottles and make customers really surprise and delight your customer. Every day was a surprise. There was a day where there was a shooting and I was the voice over the PA managing oh everyone. Like everyone, they went through security and obviously they weren't securely going through security. So then they had to research all of the planes. Oh my God. Um, and, you know, obviously the domestic dispute and the chaos and the oh, panic. That was my first day as a customer service supervisor. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Boot yeah. camp training and empathy and crisis management. Yeah, and there was this like make-a-wish family that was just trying to get on a plane. Oh my god! And so I like found them just like standing by this service animal and trying to like get them back into security to get on a plane. <laughs> well, I can see why. <laughs> You were looking for a different experience. One of my main motivators for business school was to just experience a completely different career. I wanted to go from a very, what I thought was a relatively slow moving industry um, to somewhere where I had more impact and could be around people that were very sharp. So what did you decide to do? Consulting. Yeah, (laughs) Um, It was a really high powered, high charged environment with very engaging business problems. You know, we were Mm -hmm. meeting with C-suite executives, boards, activist investors, private equity firms, colleagues I worked with were, you know, ex-Harvard, ex-Yale, all the very, what I would consider prestigious educational programs and pathways. So Mm -hmm. I was rubbing shoulders with a lot of really important people and that was fantastic. So try to explain what a consultant does to your grandma. Like, how how would you describe that? Okay, super simply, consulting is hiring random strangers who know nothing about (laughs) a particular business to assess, solve, and address the most complex business challenges. Why would a company hire a random stranger to solve their problems if they know nothing about their business? So part of the challenge is in any organization include getting a lot of different resources to speak to each other. So people in different functional areas often have their own interests at play. So organizations engage consultants to be the task force for executive suite leaders and um, have the authority and ability to talk to leaders and people across the functional areas, as opposed to having, you know, vested interests in an organization. And, you know, like if you've ever worked in a corporate environment, you know that fresh perspectives are valued. And so consultants are seen as individuals who have fresh perspectives. But, you know, if you have a particular industry that you're a consultant in, you will have worked at other clients. So if, you know, packaged goods, CPG is your is your space, then you'll have worked at other companies in CPG experiencing similar problems. So you're hiring people who don't maybe have an in-depth understanding of your business challenges, but they'll have experience at a high level from similar companies. Got it. 
So tell me a little bit more about what's a day in the life of a consultant like? I think it's probably better to view it as a week in the life because you live Monday through Thursday-ish, sometimes Fridays, hop on a plane to wherever your client is. Every day is different. Um, You're meeting with clients throughout the day. You're meeting with your colleagues throughout the day. You're collecting data from various stakeholders, conducting analyses. And then, you know, Thursday, you wrap it all up. All those evenings working on your laptop in a hotel bar or in your hotel room with the team and that kind of thing. I heard that, you know, the hours are pretty rigorous. What makes it so strenuous and challenging? I think that it's tied to the impact of the work, you know clients are hiring you to solve really complex business problems. So being able to work for a firm and have that credibility is really onerous and powerful. But also just on a personal level, I think having to constantly shift gears, being able to wear a lot of different hats, being able to meet with a lot of different people and exhibit a level of confidence and aptitude can be challenging and come with a lot of pressure and responsibility. Mm Mm-hmm probably also the added pressure of working with really intelligent team members. It forces you to up your game. And for anyone who's type A, upping your game to a level that matches super smart people can require a lot of hard work. Got it. Yeah. So what made you want to uh, transition out of consulting? Burnout. I mean, I, I remember I was traveling every week, Monday through Thursday, sometimes Friday, sometimes Sundays, to get in early depending on the time zone and it was just unsustainable and it's such a meritocracy based environment that if you press pause you press pause on your career development and your growth i had two carry-ons you know that were completely packed and i would just come home and do my laundry live my life for you know 48 hours if i had it and then pop back out on a plane and that really just was not the type of life that I wanted long term. I remember vividly there was um, there was a team event somewhere for for the particular industry team that I was in, and there was a uh, I was late to where we were, and so there was a limo waiting for the people who were late because presumably those people were supposed to be partners, you know, really respected colleagues that were late to the event. And I ran into a, a woman. It was me and a woman in the limo, and she was late because she was you know pumping breast milk, and she had missed the main shuttle and she was telling me she said like oh isn't it great that the firm has this benefit i can ship my baby my my breast milk like fedex overnight this is a fantastic benefit and i thought well yeah that's a great benefit but i will never ever be doing that for my baby i will never be sending breast milk via fedex for my baby and i just, just moments like that where you really realize like how being away from home impacts not just your life, but the lives of your family and other people around you. And I didn't necessarily have a family at the time, but I just couldn't see myself growing in that space. So when you decided to transition out of consulting, you wanted something different. How did you come to that realization? I felt like I was under a lot of pressure to find a career that was as prestigious as consulting. And I think it was a lot of internal pressure. Um, you know, I was working in a really prominent, fantastic firm. I, I love the work there. I still do. And um, when folks talk to me asking if they should work there, I mean, I highly recommend it for the right type of goals and the right type of person. But I transitioned into a local consulting firm and then COVID happened and eventually pivoted into tech, worked at Apple for a little bit. And eventually I just learned that 
I didn't want to work in an organization through traditional pathways, growing in a very linear, check the box type of fashion. And my attention span clearly as shown by my career history is pretty limited if I'm not engaged. So I thought, what else is left out there in the universe? And eventually did a lot of soul searching and reflection and entrepreneurship seemed like the right fit. And you know, one sentence saying that, it doesn't effectively convey all of the actual self-reflection that happened. Yeah. I mean, tell us a little bit about kind of the work you put in before you got to that realization. Oh my gosh, just like hours and hours of therapy <laughs> to start with. Defining your values, learning that, you know, I was raised in a really um, achievement-oriented environment and I never really made the effort of being in tune with what I actually wanted on a personal human level. It was usually motivated by external forces or, um, you know, just family thought that you should do something or I should do this because all the other consultants around me are doing this. Mm-hmm. Um So a lot of reflection and I just created like a a list of things that like if I did these things and I still didn't enjoy what I was doing, then I need to go out and try some really new career paths. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about the entrepreneurship career path. Like what did, how did you get started? What are you going to be doing? One of my values that's probably never going to change is being able to live the life that I want and have a, a level of financial income to be able to do that. And um, traditional routes in entrepreneurship, they kind of go through the startup phase. And let's be real, I'm not that person. Like I am too far in my career and accomplished in my career to be able to go back to a startup phase and make it through the highs and lows of not having money. Does startup phase equal like eating ramen noodles? <laughs> is that, is for, that code? <laughs> for, uh, for Pakistanis, it's Maggie noodles. Maggie noodles. Yeah, there's a different noodle for that. <laughs> those kind of people. Uh, Brown people will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) When I looked at entrepreneurship, you know, we've all heard of people owning businesses. Two of my business school colleagues had been reading up on acquisition entrepreneurship. They told me to read this book. I read the book. It's called Buy Then Build by Walker Dibel. And that kind of just got my juices flowing as far as what other opportunities exist to be able to be an entrepreneur, but also have a level of income. So I just, you know, kept putting one foot in front of the other down that pathway. And now, exploring acquiring a business. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more about the business that you're acquiring? I've been searching for probably the the past six months. And prior to that, I was working as a a business broker, thinking that that would give me some exposure to businesses that were about to come to market to sell. And it turns out that most businesses were not things that I was interested in. But this one in particular is in the real estate space. It's an apartment locating service, a residential real estate brokerage just a really fascinating space. And I think real estate is a a fantastic area to grow in. So uh, I'm excited. We should be acquiring in the next few weeks. That's awesome. Congratulations. So I can imagine that being a woman and a woman of color, you've faced obstacles um, within this process of acquiring a business. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the obstacles and challenges that you've had to overcome? Oh, yeah. I think so. By and large, a lot of the businesses in the lower middle market, meaning like 10 million or less in enterprise value, um, the owners are predominantly retiring, you know, Americans and retirement age Americans are typically white males nowadays. So the majority of businesses that I looked at or the individuals that I worked with to learn more were all, you know, white men. And 
that's fine. There was nothing wrong with them. But, you know, we're in Texas and there's still a little bit of um, thought around race and, um, you know, racism. The reality is we had meetings with business owners in which I brought my husband just to have some sort of credibility and respect from the business owner. Mm -hmm. And I was the one asking all the questions to the owner and the owner would turn to my husband and answer the questions to my husband, even though I was the one asking them. It was the silliest thing, but you know, met, met a lot of great people as well. The current owner has been fantastic and you know, we get along great and I think it's going to be a really successful transition. So how did you overcome some of those experiences? I mean, that could must have been deflating or even just, I don't know, hurtful. Yeah, it was really hurtful. Um, I think the reality is that when you're a person of color, you experience these things your entire life and you can let it pile up and be a volcano that explodes in your life or you can process the unfairness of the world as it comes and you can pivot and just move on and be a trailblazer. Well, I'm super proud of you for overcoming. I, I know I've watched you go through this journey over the past two years. And so wishing you all the best. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fantastic. To wrap up, can you tell us a piece of advice that you'd give to your 20-year-old self? The number one thing that I would recommend to anyone is to experiment and have a flexible mindset. So we all have defined linear pathways when we're kids, you know, I want to be a firefighter or like, <laughs> I want to be a baseball player or I don't know, for some reason I wanted to be an actuary when it was in sixth grade. It made no sense. Actuary. I had no idea. That tells you my mom had some impact on what she was selling me as an Asian kid. But <laughs> to not view life linearly, we're always going to be experimenting. We're always going to be adding things to our toolkits and learning things and adapting them into the decision making we continue forth with in life by viewing everything through the lens of experimentation. We don't succeed or fail. We just learn more and make better decisions over time. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kinza. Really appreciate you sharing your story with us and good luck with the new business. Yeah, I'm honored to be here. I think this is fantastic that you're executing, you're making things happen. And I think a lot of people will find commonalities in your podcast and they'll use those to improve their own lives. So kudos to you. Thank you. The Career Slay podcast is a co-production of Career Slay and Wild Reply, produced by Michael Burke. Stay tuned for some great conversations on slaying the fear in career. Mm -hmm.